no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> Hello, yes, welcome back to the 40 Yard Switch, episode 111, Triple Ones, ring it up. So, uh, we thought we would be done, um, sorry, done with all the uh, World Cup, Women's World Cup uh, storylines and footage, but there's one left. Uh, as always, I am your host, Jasper Woody Woodson, alongside me, Wilbur Kuda Lukes. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, good. Just shooing the the cat off the yeah. uh, the mic cord. The, nuis- the nuisance that is the cat sometimes. But yes, as as I said, we, we we thought we were all done with women's World Cup topics, but there is one lingering one, uh, the, the, which is the situation regarding Luis Rubiales, the president of the Spanish FA. Who, uh, in case anyone sort of hasn't been seeing it, um, pretty blatantly. Uh, just like we call it, almost call it assault. But yeah, it's yeah. sexual assault. Yeah, yeah. sexual assault. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sec- yeah. Just grabbed the head of Jenny Hermoso, one of Spain's best players, at the medal ceremony and kissed her without her consent. It's at the very least sexual harassment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, it's it's obviously extremely uncomfortable viewing. I didn't actually see it um, happen in in real time. Neither. I wasn't watching the medal ceremony. Neither. Um, but yeah, the fallout's very, very interesting because I think we mentioned this on the last episode how there was an immediate um, response afterwards from Jenny Hermoso and then there was another statement that she released through the Spanish FA mm. saying that, no, nah, no, nah, it was all good and every, it was just the heat of the moment. Everyone very excited about winning the World Cup. And then I think, so after that, she's she's come out again, you know... I think at, uh, w- at, w- w- without the influence of the Spanish FA and saying f- yeah. for what it really is, and people are saying she's like changing her story, at, at, but also at no point did she ever say she consented to it. She, I think she just init- and she said in her most recent statement, which is this, her true statement, which is like the reason she made the initial statement through the Spanish FA is just to sort of like so the media wouldn't drum up a big story about um, it, and she, they could focus on her winning the like her and her teammates winning the tournament. Yeah. But then when Luis Rubiales came out and said, oh. Yeah, no, she loved it. Like she, 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 she wanted to do it. She initiated the kiss. She was like, "Hang on a minute, no, I never said that. I never did want that." Because like the immediate, the truest reaction is when someone asks her about it post game, and she goes, "No, nah, I didn't really enjoy that." That's right. Yeah, that was the first one, and yeah, then there was the Spanish. Yeah. yeah, but and I, and I think you know it doesn't really matter if she's you know quote unquote changed her story, which which she hasn't. No, like it's very obvious what happened from the footage. Um, she was uncomfortable, um, and he forced her into a kiss on the lips, which, like, in front of the whole world. Yeah. This is just... Grabbed yeah. the back of her head with both hands. And it's yeah. Just, yeah, very uncomfortable. But yes, uh, the way it's been unfolding is, uh, initially, he was going to... he The Spanish FA held a press conference where it was assumed he would be standing down, and then he did the full-on Wolf of Wall Street, I'm not leaving, I'm not stepping down thing. Which was met, uh, and then from then, uh, the entire um, Spanish women's national team, like up to up to eighty-two players, were like, uh, 
we're not playing until he's gone. Uh, even some Spanish men's national team players have come out and been like, uh, we're not playing until he's gone. Uh, and there's been past and present Spanish players who have said, this is ridiculous, he can't stay. Even Andreas Iniesta has come out most recently and said, this is not good enough. Mm. Um, and it's got, and then so then he was suspended by, I think, the Spanish government or something Yeah. Okay. Uh, for 90 days. And then obviously his mother went on the hunger strike saying my son's being crucified or something. Yeah. Uh, and now... Calling it, it a manhunt. Or yeah, yeah. A bloodthirsty manhunt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, now it's... it's like the, the Guardian article I read that was posted a day ago seems to think that his days are numbered, but uh, nothing else officially has happened yet. But it's like, there's just so much mounting pressure. Yeah. And the other one... I th- wait, did you mention about... about- None of the European, t- so Spanish teams playing in Europe. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The Spanish FA threatened to pull all their teams from European competitions. Yeah, uh, and I just don't think any of the players would go along with that. They'd be like, "No, it's very much easier for you to just leave than us." Yeah, all not play. <laughs> I mean, it's just like in like in reality like he, he's the he's the president of of the spanish fa but in reality he's just a no-name executive that can be replaced by absolutely the next fucking no-name executive yeah. so i don't see why any um yeah that there should be any consequences for the for the footballers who you know absolutely. the other reason why the spanish fa is, is 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 anything um should suffer any consequences so hopefully he leaves soon i mean it's just become a bit of a circus yeah. especially with um his mum and i don't know the, the fact that he hasn't gone in and told his mum to stop hunger striking yeah <laughs> is wild given she's like it's she's just, definitely an elderly lady who yeah would, would be at risk so it just also shows his like clearly evidently narcissistic like tendencies like no real care for anyone but himself yeah like not even his own mother <laughs> yeah and I'm sure he believes that he's that he's right, and he hasn't done anything wrong. And then that that itself speaks volumes about um, the reason why he's so unfit to lead the Spanish FA yeah. and have any sort of position of power um, over over the over the women's game in Spain. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, trying times for the Spanish FA, but hopefully onto pastures new. Although with the way that like. This member, other members of the Spanish FA have been so quiet, and with, with the fact that they apparently did threaten this, because they they wouldn't have been able to threaten this and like, threaten to pull all the teams if it was just Rubiales saying this. Makes me not filled with a bunch of confidence that they're gonna that his successor, if he and when he does leave, will be much better. Obviously, it can't be much worse, but yeah, they should make it a woman. Yeah, <laughs> big time. Um, but yeah, uh, I think as well. Hopefully, if they do replace. Rubiales as the as the president of the FA, that Jorge, it's Vilda, 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 yeah, yeah. Is, is moved on as well because they seem a bit chummy. Yeah, Rubiales and Vilda. Even though Vilda came out and said like, "Oh, I don't support these actions," but then he was like applaud, applauding him at the press conference, and it's just like, mm. yeah, I think Vilda seems a bit. Anyway, yeah, that's just a that's just a my opinion. So yeah, I, think yeah. I don't really know what I'm. But anyway, about. our stance is uh, he needs to go, um, and this is just a, a, a fast that's gone on way longer than it should have. Um, as soon as that ha- moment happened on stage, the wheel should have been in motion for him to be stepping down and leaving. And now that he won't step down, he needs to be fired. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, onto more positive things to talk about. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, Premier League round three, uh, just like we uh, did last week and we will do for the weeks to come. We have our five key takeaways from round three. So starting with 10-man Liverpool come back to beat Newcastle United at St. James's Park. Yeah, I think um, the obviously the highlights were, were were Darwin Nunez two kind of carbon copy goals to to seal it. Um, but yeah, it's just nice to see Darwin Nunez, who obviously came in with such high expectations, um, and then kind of didn't live up to them. Copped a lot of slack for being a bit jammy. Um, it, it's it's good to just see him him performing well. Um, and the thing that riled me up the most was obviously uh, <laughs> Anthony Gordon. Um, so yeah, pushes Trent in the back very clearly um, when Trent's got nowhere to go but the kind of you know artificial turf slash concrete that um, adjoins the pitch. Then Trent throws the ball away and Trent gets a yellow card. Trent didn't even throw the ball away though. He threw the ball back onto the pitch. Yeah. Which just makes no sense why he got a card for that. Yeah, because I think one of the Newcastle players is moving towards it. But like, ah. still, I don't think... yeah. No, it's just ridiculous that it wasn't initially called a foul. Yeah, in the first. Then, place. then Anthony Gordon goes down. Yeah, and that probably is a second yellow card. But yeah, exactly. He shouldn't have been in the position for it to be a second yellow card. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He, he's, I think, yeah, you linked me that thing where he's like unlucky on the first one and lucky on the second one. Yeah, but it kind of works itself out. Um, but yeah, essentially Anthony Gordon flopped, even though most yeah, players did. in the Premier League would have done that in that situation. Um, and then you just hate to see him score. Yeah, um, after that. Yeah, yeah. Like, as much as he, as much as he was a bit of a prat, Anthony Gordon in that game, he had a, he had a good game. Yeah, he did have a really good game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, but yeah, very very good result for Liverpool. Um, that probably not many people saw coming. Um, given the way the game was unfolding. No, yeah. well, I picked a draw and you picked a Newcastle win, uh, which, I mean, no one could have picked that happening. So yeah. I think not the, not the worst picks from us. Um, interesting that we got to talk about, like, the red card, prob- definitely oh, probably yeah, there. Yeah, it's not, like, uh, there's been a bit of commentary about it, but I'm, like, you get, like he does get the more, he gets the, he gets the ball through the man, and it, and it is the last man challenge, like because the argument is Isak hasn't taken a touch yet. So you, like, 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 like someone was saying, like his first touch might have been away from. I don't know. From my view, he's, he's through it on goal. If, yeah, if that doesn't happen, I think the only people who think that is in a red card are Liverpool supporters. Yeah, like it's it's there. I think a lot of people talking about the severity of the tackle is. But that's not why it's a red card. Yeah, it's last man foul. Yeah, because like initially when I saw it's a it, clear foul in the last man. When I saw it live, I was like, "That's not that's a yellow." Yeah. But then, yeah, when you factor in, like, actually, wait, yeah, that's like, he's he's about to go through. And you can't go through the back of someone to get the ball anywhere yeah. on the pitch. Right? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So, I think yeah, Van Dyke looks shocked, but uh, he 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 should know enough yeah. to know that that is. Is a red card affair. It's un. I would say it's unlucky. Mm. I would say it's unlucky. And uh, it's come out now from uh, uh, this this today that uh, Van Dyke's facing further action from the FA because he used unsavory language towards the match officials. Apparently, there's footage of him saying either "that's a fucking joke" or "you're a fucking joke" to the referee. Right. Okay. So, um, doubt he'll get suspended more games in the three for that, but he may cop a monetary fine. Yeah. 
It's a bit silly, really. And you'd yeah, expect, as you'd Liverpool expect someone, as well. Yeah, you'd expect someone of his experience to to be able to kind of um, hold yourself a bit better in those scenarios. But at the same time, I probably wouldn't as well. <laughs> I feel like no, I feel like you you can be upset and like gesticulate with the ref and disagree. But like when the swearing comes into it. That's yeah. when it's like I don't think I, I I can I'd argue with the ref, but I I know better to ever swear at a ref. Yeah, because that doesn't get me anywhere. Yeah, and if it's you're a fucking joke, it's, yeah, it's a bit much. Yeah, it's a bit like, personal. Yeah, you don't. You, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to get into personal attacks. Yeah, but then yeah. So as as we'll talk on later in the episode, um, a little bit more, uh, the extent of what that red card means for Liverpool because I've got a big game coming up this weekend. Three games without Virgil Van Dijk. I know they've. Seven points from three games, um, and a win, win, a win and a draw against Chelsea and Newcastle already out of the way for Liverpool, um, but still a massive out for them. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think yeah, that that's obviously probably the biggest kind of implication coming out of the game for Liverpool. Um, but the, the the other one is, uh, you know, potentially the start of a bit of like form for Darwin Nunez mm. um, and yes. getting that confidence from those finishes. Um, will be good moving forward. But I think, you know, apart from that, the game, like, it's a very good game, but, like, it didn't really tell us that much more about what the teams are going to look like going forward. It was just two top four contenders, like, going at it. Yeah, and I think Newcastle on a different day might have won that one. Like, Liverpool rode their luck a lot. I think Newcastle hit the post twice. Allison with some incredible saves, you know, just further reinstating that he is the best keeper in the league. Yeah. Um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was, yeah, the Almiron one off the bar, mm. and then the yeah, that's the Allison save, and there was one Anthony Gordon run yeah, through the middle just where he kind of came close. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure, Liverpool definitely rode their luck for that one. But also interesting, um, Wataro Endo has now uh, played two games for Liverpool, and in both those situations, he's been playing from the majority of the game with ten men. True. So he's a bit of a trial by fire for him. What? Who was sent off in the other one? Uh, McAllister. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 So interesting to see how um, how he plays in a 11v11 game, uh, but we'll see that this weekend. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the next point we've got, which is sort of links to a point we talked about last week with um, Tottenham looking good when they beat United. It's uh, Tottenham looking good again um, as they beat... Bournemouth and uh, Ange Postacoglu seems to be the talk of the town in England at the moment. Uh, a new song to the tune of Robbie Williams's "Angels." Uh, various media tidbits of him uh, just being his general funny self. Um, Titty bits. <laughs> as I knew it as soon as I said it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you know that bit where he's like Joe Cole asks him on TNT Sports about like inverting the fullbacks and he goes oh, I'm just copying Pep mate yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> and it's those type of quip and like there was another little quip that of, of about him when he was at Yokohama F uh, Marinos about how like uh, he uh, recognised how good Matoma was because he came straight from university to play against his team and torched them yeah and he just about that's when that and that and that sort of led to why he signed so many Japanese players for Celtic and it's just just a really good example of how being well travelled like Ange can make you a really good manager yeah yeah, for sure. I think there was another clip of um, him talking about meeting Sir Alex Ferguson 
way back when he was coaching South Melbourne mm. um, when he was around 30 years old. And then when he met Pep, Pep Guardiola in Japan, like when I think maybe Man City or Bayern were, were traveling through Japan. But just talking about the respect for them. But I think in in that, like, and, and like also what you said, like he's been playing his trade you know, since he was 30 and like yeah. learning, like, I don't know how old he is now, be like 50. It's 57. 57. No, 58 just turned after the Bournemouth game. 58. So I think we've spoken a lot in the last couple of years about, you know, the likes of Lampard and Gerrard coming in and... Arteta. Yeah, just like jumping the gun a little bit in, in terms of what you need to learn to, to become a good to become a good coach. Um, and he's obviously someone who's put in the hard yards over a long time. And it's very early days, but he seems to have done a very good job with a very difficult situation in yeah. Tottenham. No, absolutely. And I think like when Lampard and Gerard were like coaching Chelsea and Aston Villa, yeah. He was either in the A League or coaching the Australian team. Like that's how far that's how long ago that was. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Actually yeah. no, it was way before the Australia I think he was coaching the Australian under twenty team or he was coaching the A League back when he was in his early 40s. Yeah. And exactly. now, fast forward 15 years, he's coached Australian national team, Japan, Celtic, like... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great to see. Um, and I mean, the other thing is, like, there is a buzz around him just because the way he holds himself in press yeah, conferences. Yeah, it's really refreshing, yeah. for sure. But... And he's getting good results, but it can all change, right? It's very early mm. days, mm. and... The, there's nothing more fickle than a Premier League fan. Yeah, exactly. And... You know, we've spoken about how given that he is a relatively no-name and a bit of a novelty at the moment, like, that's why there's so much buzz around him. If the if the results fade, yeah, I'll, quick, I'll quickly turn on him. I, I thought of an interesting phrase, which I was I was thinking about using, um, but I thought it, maybe it might seem a little bit rude, uh, but it could kind of, it could, it has the potential to be true, is he's like, he's the flavor of the month right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. But let's hope it's long, let's hope it's for longer than that. I mean, I don't really want sustained successes for Spurs, but like in terms of him, I hope he's more than just the flavour of the month in English football. Yeah, he's got them playing very good football, um, and the results have been very good. They lost on penalties to Fulham in the EFL Cup this morning. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh. Um, probably heav- hopefully have a heavily rotated squad with Davison Sanchez missing the only penalty. Ah, uh, yeah. God, that guy can't catch a break. And Richarlison scoring opening his account for the season, but yeah. There's very good signs. They're playing a very nice brand of football. But it's only round three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of only be, it being only been round three, so perhaps I, you know, am over, I could be potentially be overreacting to my next point. Uh, I've gotten, is Arteta tinkering too much with Arsenal? Because uh, Arsenal draw two all with Fulham. Uh, and albeit the goals came from just two individual mistakes, both from Bukayo Saka, strangely enough. Mm. Uh, but you can argue the first goal is also as a result of party inverting in at right back and then like because they haven't trained that enough Ben White comes too wired into his natural sort of right back position from last season and the team's a bit out of sync and then also just in the entire first half uh, we just looked a little bit out of sync whether or not it was uh, Havertz not quite um Having a, I don't think he's been poor to start the season, but having a potentially off day and then party making the whole sort of cohesion of the team not really work. Plus Trossard coming in for Nketia, who had been playing really well, and Trossard was a bit of a non-factor. Yeah. Um, 
and then so that was an issue and then also the fact that as soon as we went up to one in the second half we just completely took the foot off the gas and allowed Fulham to score and then yeah yeah so it's just like obviously I'm not going to complain too much about seven points from three games but there's just issues there that I'm like these don't need to be issues this early in the season like also Gabriel's not starting like it doesn't make any sense yeah, the, definitely the Gabriel not not starting one is 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 very interesting because he was obviously so good last season. I think I don't know. He's he's Pep Guardiola's apprentice, right? And he he's also suffered similar criticism about over mm. over tinkering with with the team. I would say, I mean, to to, to like to be fair, I saw the nine minute highlights and have looked at stats from the game. But oh, we dominated for a large part. Yeah, exactly. Like. It seemed like just looking here. Expected goals three point two to zero point five in Arsenal's. Yeah, seventy one percent percent possession, nineteen to eight total shots, eleven to three shots on target. Like you did dominate, but I think it was a story of yeah, just too many mistakes. And but you know you can draw that up to the over tinkering mm-hmm. because the system's so complicated that you can make mistakes. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, that seems like the story for me. Like, they they still played very well, but... Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, I can see for in, in, in each game that we've played this season that we have the ability to play incredibly well. It just doesn't seem to quite be clicking yet. And I guess that's only three games in to the season. But it's... I don't know, just... I don't know. It just... It just I, I, it's just... I think the word that came to mind for me after that game was just... It, was just, it seemed, all seemed a bit naive. It's like... We've, like, it's the third time uh, we've conceded a goal in the first minute of a game in in, uh, in this calendar year at the at yeah, home. Yeah, that's right. That's not yeah. a good statistic, and that yeah. proves that it's more than just a weird fluke. Like mm. there's something structurally wrong at the start of games for us. Mm. So yeah, it's just anyway. I I'm probably making a mountain out of a, mo- a mountain out of a molehill here, but it's just like you know we've got United at the weekend. These, these issues need to be fixed sooner rather than later. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's in the context of an extremely competitive Premier League this season, mm. especially in terms of the race to get in those four... Cha- Is it five Champions League spots this year? Maybe. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Took a bite of my biscuit as soon as you asked me that question. Sorry, um, I, should, I shouldn't have gone to you. It but, is four this year. It's five potentially next year. Yeah. So, yeah. A- anyway, it's it's a very intense competition um, for those Champions League spots that that is a minimum for Arsenal Um, so you know every team in that race is going to be looking um, in a very in very granular detail at at why it's not working even though the points that you've taken from three games is is still a pretty good return yeah yeah okay Um, next on the talking block is our West Ham back I'm making really sweeping claims after three games here, but uh, relegation um, form West Ham seem to be uh, a thing of the past as they have now beaten uh, Chelsea and Brighton in back-to-back weeks, um, 3-1 in both games, and just their continued style of just being incredibly stout and organized in defense and then hitting extremely quickly on the counter is working. Hmm. Yeah. Um yeah, just com- like total dominant. Like if you, I think if you look at the statistics for that game, it would like you know there's like complete dominance of of the ball by Brighton. Um, but yeah, the form that Antonio's currently in, Jared Bowen's currently in, 
Um, and James Ward-Prowse. And, and James Ward-Prowse is in. is just phenomenal that, you know, they don't need that much of the ball. They just need to break quickly mm-hmm. and they, like, completely punish teams. So, I don't know. Are they back? Do you reckon they're back? <laughs> I reckon there's early signs that they're back. Yeah. yeah I, th- I think so too. And it seems like the pursuit of Harry Kane is now official. Sorry, Harry... Harry Kane. <laughs> Harry Maguire is now officially um, ended. Yeah, done. Um, I don't know. I don't really know whether they need another centre back. Like um, by their pursuit of Harry Maguire, it seems like it. But it's. I just think it was more with. with they got to play the Europa League this season, so it was like they need another body in there. Yeah. So they've signed. So since Rice has left, they've signed. Who have they signed? Edson Alvarez, the Mexican yeah. uh, centre mid. James uh, Ward Prowse. James Ward Prowse. And that Ajax guy, right? Oh, yeah, Mohamed Kudus. Yeah, Kudus. Who's the, uh, also a central midfielder. So three central midfielders. Yeah. So, I mean, the that's... the price of one. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. And Declan Rice is very good. But I think, as we spoke... Did we speak about it last week? The James Ward Prowse comparison? Yeah. Yeah, we did, yeah. Oh, wait, no, not on... We're talking about it. Oh. Not on, not, not on, oh, yeah. Not okay, on, Okay, yeah. true. Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's... There's lots of qualities that James Ward-Prowse brings to the team that Declan Rice potentially didn't. didn't. Yeah. Um, and then, I don't know how good Muhammad Kudus is, but yeah, it's, it seems like they've kind of got all of the pieces in place, but it is it is also a bit dependent on the form of people like Mikhail Antonio, whose form has been patchy, Jared Bowen, who again is, is, is the same story. So, yeah. We'll see, and we'll also see if, if they can keep it up once the European competition, because their form started to dip pretty much around about the same time the Conference League started last season. Yeah. And are they back in the Conference League? They no, they're in the Europa League because they oh, won the Conference League. Okay, so it was even true. tougher competition. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, you know, they were my pick of the team that was, I think, to be my underperforming team. So, you know, happy to be proved wrong, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although they made Kurzuma captain, which I'm not a fan of. Like, hmm. keep animal abusers out of your leadership positions, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, um, all right, last uh, point. But, but like, n- no issues for Brighton there, really? No, nah, yeah, like, obviously you don't want to lose a game, but I think it's like, like they've conceded ch- uh, chances against Wolves and against, um, who did they beat round one? Luton. Yeah, Luton, yeah. So yeah. they probably just need to tighten up a little bit at the back, but they, they create so many goal-scoring chances that they'll, they'll might lose one or two games like that where it just doesn't go in, but on other days it, it will go in. So. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right, last talking point from round three before we move on to our round four predictions is Everton without a point or a goal after three games. Again, on the, in the theme of not making sweeping predictions after three, after three games. Yeah, look, I think... It, like, it's, it's obviously not good because, you know, the stats that matter, are the points and, and the goals that you've scored um, are both zero after three games. Two of them being home games at what is what has been traditionally like a bit of a fortress. Um, it's it's definitely not good, but I, I'd agree that there are quite good signs there. Let me get let me get the statistics up. I think yeah. It, so I think expected goals per game is like three. I'm yeah, pretty sure. Which, yeah, three, which is like crazy for a team that hasn't scored a goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, that's that's basically the, yeah. the stuff and that you need to know. I think Dom is a chance to be back for the Sheffield game after he missed the Wolves game with the facial injury. Yeah. Uh, you've just signed, signed this striker called Beto from Udinese, who I don't know, but I've heard reports that he's had quite a good season for Udinese last year. Yeah. 
Apparently, he bought a Lukaku Everton shirt back in the day. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, look, remains to be seen how good he is. Uh, obviously, strikers coming, Everton's experience with strikers coming from the Italian league in recent years hasn't always been the best. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the you just you just need someone to put the ball in the back of the net with all the chances that are being created, whether it's Mope, whether it's Dakure, whether it's... Literally anyone. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also, you, and also, like, you also just need players to be back. You need Dom to be back. You need Dwight McNeil to be back. You need Jack Harrison to get fit. Like, Yeah. And, what you know, once the, those three come in, Chermidi uh, got his first minutes coming off the bench for Dobbin uh, at the weekend. Oh, yeah, Lewis Dobbin as well. Yeah. yeah he's... Um, then, yeah, obviously the new striker, Beto. Yeah, I, I think... You know, once all those players come back in, and hopefully, if we're still creating chance, we still create chances the way we currently are. I think it, it won't be an issue, and things will get better. But it's a very difficult start, and you know, th- no wins in three can quickly become a, a bit of a catastrophic yeah. kind of situation if things don't improve. And that kind of perfectly segues me into a game that I was going to have last in our predictions, but I'll put it first now, which is Everton's game against Sheffield. Uh, this weekend, 9.30pm Saturday, Australian time. Um, at Bramwell Lane, isn't it? Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, massive game for the for the two teams playing. Um, both teams without a point yet. Uh, Sheffield have scored two, I think. One against City, one against uh, Forest. Um, but, yeah, look, Everton need to... It, 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 I, Obviously, you need to win, but even if if they can get a point, but get off the mark with a goal as well, that'll that'll be huge as well. I think. Yeah, I think so. Just too. just getting just get putting the ball in the back of the net is the number one priority right now. Yeah, yeah, getting a goal and and our first points here, I think, is like, you know, like a like a minimum. But yeah. if if we come away from anything less than that, it's I think it's a bit catastrophic because. Yeah, Sheffield scored two, conceded five in their first three games, also on no points. If we lose to them. You know, that's the Sheffield is someone who I think most people would say is a nailed on relegate. Yeah, relegated we both club had them in already. relegation for us. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think it starts to look very bad if we can't get the job done against them. Mm. Um, so, saying that, <laughs> I think Everton will win two uh, one. I think Everton will win two nil. Two nil. Yeah. yeah. Actually, no. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, two. I reckon you'll score one, and then you'll batten on the hatches for a while, and then score another one late. I yeah. think that's what's how it's gonna happen. Yeah, so two nil. I'm gonna say we'll go two nil up, and and they'll score one late. Oh, okay, as we get in the fair game. enough. Yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on to now the biggest game of uh, the weekend, one uh, thirty a.m. Monday morning, so Saturday uh, afternoon, England time. Arsenal versus Manchester United at the Emirates. For some reason, we're playing back-to-back home games. I don't really understand why. But, uh, yeah. So, team news for uh, United. Uh, still without Luke Shaw. Still without Mason Mount. Now, freshly without Raphael Varane, who picked up an injury in the Nottingham Forest game and will be out for uh, several weeks, apparently. Um, so, like, you'd, good signs in theory that... Uh, Arsenal should get the Arsenal win. should get the win, but you know we've uh, struggled against weak sides, um, weak United sides in the past. Most notably, Rashford's debut uh, back in 2016, when <laughs> uh, it was like 
you know, I just had like the worst team on paper that day and beat us 3-2 and he scored two. I was just like, oh, I can't deal with this. Mm. Uh, but that was at Old Trafford and this is at, um, at home. So, I don't was, know. Was it this fixture last year that the goal got knocked off or was it the Old Trafford fixture? Remember, it was early days. The Odegaard foul? That yeah. was the Old Trafford fixture. It was the Old Trafford fixture. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah, a very inter- probably similar time. It was early in the season, mm. probably the first of, of, the, of the two fixtures between the two clubs in, in last season's Premier League. Um, and obviously, that, that was kind of a big, big result for... United kind of turning, turning yeah, because the they'd lost two games in to start the season. Yeah, and then a blip in Arsenal's kind of like perfect start to last season. Yeah, um, but like my, my thinking is that Arsenal are going to like completely dominate the midfield and 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 win the game. Probably not comfortably in terms of the scoreline, but they will dominate mm. the ball and probably win. My hope is that. Arteta just for once just because it's a bigger game than it has been against Fulham and Palace and Nottingham Forest yeah just just sticks to a back four of Ben White at right back and I don't Gabriel I'd like to see Gabriel play but Gabriel or not Gabriel Saliba and another centre back at centre back and then Tommy Asio Zinchenko at left back like just play the full backs play the full backs from last season at full back and then I don't care if he plays Rice Havertz, Erdegaard, or Rice, Party, Erdegaard, or Party, Havertz, Erdegaard, like any of those three in midfield, happy. Mm. And then obviously the front line pick. And then and Nketiah has to start. Yeah. Has to start. Sh- surely Arsenal dominate the ball, though, and I, the midfield. I, I, would, I would assume so. Yeah. Like Casemiro, I mean, United have looked just, just, just light in midfield this season. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think our midfield on form this season is better than Casemiro, Eriksen, and Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. Um, I, I, but, and I think I think Ten Hag will set up in a way where he wants us to dominate the, the ball and then hit on the counter through the likes of Rashford and, and Anthony and yeah, whoever else yeah. um, so that's obviously where we're, we're potentially susceptible and that's where we, that's where they beat us last year uh, was on the counter um, true but yeah like <sighs> I'm still just like I, like one day I'll eventually get over this like scarred Arsenal fan no, not wanting to pick, not wanting to, not wanting to pick us to win a big game, but I'm, I'm going to pick us to win this game. I do think um, we've got enough talent across the board uh, to, and also I think we're also mature enough now uh, under Arteta for long enough to um, be able to exploit the defensive weaknesses that United have right now with um, their injuries. Yeah, because what the back four will be Wambasaka, Lindelof, Lissandro Martinez, and then Diogo Dallo filling in at left back, like. Yeah, yeah. We should Martinelli and uh, Saka should have a field day with that. Yeah, and like exactly the like like as bad as like with United's midfield being so bad and the back four being so depleted, like you guys should win. Yeah, um, and you guys are strong favourites to win. So I'm going to pick that, and I'm going to say two nil. I'm going to go three one. I reckon we will concede. Because we haven't really kept, apart from the Crystal Palace game, which was like backs against the wall with 10 men, we haven't really been able to convincingly keep a clean sheet. Mm. So, yeah, I'm going to go 3 1. I think we'll score quite a few because I think United is just like United against, and uh, like United in big games against Tottenham and games against small opposition just, just have looked leaky all season. I'm really not really sure what's going on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they turn it on against us, but 
I don't see it, but yeah, I'll take us winning. All right, uh, next big game, which is another very big game in terms of the top four battle. Um, obviously, one team probably better on paper, but two very fun teams to watch. Brighton versus Newcastle. Oh, true. Uh, I think that's at the Amex, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. yep. Big contest, this one. Both coming off losses as well. Yeah, I think at the at the Amex... Very hard place to go for most teams, the Amex. Yeah, it's a difficult one. So, I mean, Brighton, the story of Brighton so far this season, as we were talking about before, is they're, they're scoring a lot, um, but also they're pretty leaky at the back. Mm. I think, I don't know, Newcastle obviously had one of the... They have the best defense, the best defense in the last, last, season, last year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if... They had a bit more luck last week against Liverpool. Probably would have scored mm. three, um, and you know, obviously a bit prolific against Aston Villa. Aston Villa uh, earlier in the season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm actually I'm actually going to go Newcastle to kind of bounce back um, for those reasons. Okay. Yeah. I just remember how this game went last season. It was a nil-all draw, and Brighton absolutely wiped the floor with Newcastle and if it wasn't for Nick Pope just having an absolutely inspired performance between the sticks yeah. they would have lost um, so going off that I think Brighton are going to win 2-1 2-1 yeah I'll say yeah 2-1 the other way 2-1 the other way nice okay um all right, and finally, to wrap up the predictions, we have another big, big game. Uh, Liverpool, Van Dyke-less Liverpool against Aston Villa, who are hot after their opening round loss with two wins in two. True, so they, yeah, got smashed by Newcastle, smashed Everton, and then last week, what what happened to them? They beat, Musa Diaby scored, Matty Cash scored to... Burnley. 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 Yeah. And you know, and we're challenged at times. We're challenged at times. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a tricky one. I, I, I think I'm probably going to go Liverpool. Just, just the way it's just, at Anfield, right? Um, I'm pretty sure. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, true. I mean, being at Anfield, Liverpool coming off such a good performance last week, Aston Villa having some good results, but you know, there were challenges by Burnley last week. The the Everton result is nothing because Everton were absolute dog shit. Yeah, um, and yeah, being. <laughs> being smashed by Newcastle in the first week. I think, yeah, I, I think Liverpool probably... It's an interesting one because both teams are suspect defensively, but both teams are decent going forward. But I yeah. think Liverpool are better going forward than Aston Villa are. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, Liverpool... I mean, Aston Villa, yeah, have looked, like, without Tyrone Mings, even before with Tyrone Mings, just didn't... Just look a little bit weak defensively. McMahon Cash isn't amazing. Luca Dean isn't... Emery's first choice because I think that uh, I forget his name but they had this Spanish left back I think who was really good for them down the stretch and he's injured at the moment um, and obviously Diego Carlos coming in with uh, Pau Torres or Esri Consa like that's been, like Diego Carlos played last week but uh, Pau Torres played the week before Yeah. so still not quite missing but then you've got Liverpool who their fullback situation is fine but then it's like what combination of Gomez Matip uh Canate? Canate's injured, I'm pretty sure. Is he? Okay. Yeah, so it might, be, might even be Gomez and 
uh, Matip, and then they also had this um, young academy player come off the bench and play at centre-back for them last week, and he looked really good, apparently. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting... But then, but then also, and then you got two very good goalkeepers as well, Martinez and Allison. But Allison obviously is superior. Mm. But then you look at the midfield battle. You got, I'm assuming probably Endo McAllister and Shobazlai mm. versus uh, McGinn. Decru- uh, no, Kamara was it Kamara or Decure? I think it's Kamara, and uh, whoever else they've got. Because I think Bernadette Brandy is still injured. Kamara. Yeah, McGinn and Douglas Lewis. Yeah, look, that's not as good as Liverpool's midfield. No. Um, no. So yeah, I, I'm I'm leaning towards a Liverpool win too. Just 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 simply for the fact that it's it's like while both teams have weak defenses, I think Liverpool at Anfield hard to stop. Yeah. And once they get on a roll offensively, uh, just really hard to slow down. So I think I'm gonna go. I think do I think I think it'll be quite a high scoring game. I think I'm gonna go three one to Liverpool. Yeah. I'll go 3-2. Three, 3-2? Two. Three, two? Oh, three, yeah. Two. That's why I'd love to see that. <laughs> okay. Uh, and that's it. I think... There what, you have it. We need to go... I, I need to go uh, back through our predictions from the last so we can keep a tally of these and then sort of uh, yeah, mid-season true. see how we're going. True. Because I think we had... Because we, we, well, we just did one last week. We just... Yeah. It was just Newcastle, Liverpool and I... We both got it wrong. Yeah, both got it wrong. I yeah. draw, you, you said Newcastle and I said draw. And then the week before we made you, a few... You, you made two, I'm pretty sure, and you got both of them right, if I'm not mistaken. You yeah, got... I picked Man City to beat Newcastle. Yeah. And... What, you know, what I mean, both picked United to beat... No, it's supposed to be United. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we'll, we'll go back. We'll, we'll go, go back. back. <laughs> <laughs> right now, right now, Wilbur's winning 2-1. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's all from us. Um... Lots more Premier League action coming away this weekend, and then lots more of us coming away next weekend, uh, next week. Sorry, uh, if you've liked what you've heard, follow us on uh, Spotify, the the Forty Yard Switch. New logo coming soon, by the way. Uh, I know I've said that before, but it's actually coming now. Uh, and uh, give us a five star rating if you like what you hear. Follow us on Twitter, Forty Yard Switch Pod, and Instagram, Forty Yard Switch Dot Pod. Um, and yeah, we'll see you. Next week, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bye, guys.